we had a really cool episode today, uh, Kevin and I are going to give you, and um, we were recently at a neuroscience healthcare summit in Nashville, Tennessee, and we met somebody really uh, interesting. His name is David Langer, and he was on a panel with me to discuss social media, and so he's the star of the Lenox Hill Netflix series, um, Lenox Hill, and so he's chairman of neurosurgery there, and so I had some time to speak with him, and pretty cool guy, um, but the whole the whole gist of the conference that we went to was about you know, how are doctors integrating social media into their practices and into the healthcare system? And so that's what I was asked to talk about because, you know, we've become a little big, I guess, on, on social media. And so they recognize that and asked us to be a panelist along with Dr. Langer, who's the star of that Netflix series. And then there was a healthcare administrator from Rush who was asked to speak with us as well. Chris Gotti. Yeah. He's at so, Rush. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about our experience and, and what we learned there. But, um, you know, Nashville is such a, uh, what? <laughs> well, I, mean, I think Nashville is a cool city. I mean, oh, yeah. No, yeah. no. I was. I thought you were going to talk about the the hotel. So we were at the Gaylord yeah. and Opryland. That hotel is, is wild. It's like a cruise. There's like four different areas. It's like you're in a, yeah. there's like an indoor atrium and stuff. Yeah. It was a cool convention center, though. Yeah, that's where the conference is at. And then we won, one night we went down to the street where everybody hangs out. Um, I think it's called Broadway Street. Yeah, Broadway oh, Main Street. Yeah, like every half an hour. So he's the people down there double and. We stopped at uh, Jason Aldean's. Aldean's, yeah. yeah. Is that the, yeah. Because yeah. the Country Music Awards was on Wednesday. The conference mm. was on, or Wednesday night. So there was a lot of people there. We didn't even know that till we got there. But yeah. then Thursday and Friday was the conference. conference yeah. And he spoke mm. on the panel with the other two guys on Thursday. Thursday afternoon, yeah. But yeah, so we got, it's, uh, <clears throat> we got back last night, Friday. So we're recording. This is going out the same day we're recording it this morning. Yeah. Um, but so I think it, it was know, a cool experience. Yeah, well. and I think the, the the we all had different questions. But my first question was, you know, how you know how did I get on social media? Like, why are you being asked to be at a a big summit like this? And 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 what's your role in social media? And so we kind of went through that. I know in one of our other podcasts we talked about how we started making patient videos for my patients for surgery, so they can kind of hear what I had to say um, from the office visit at home. So it kind of extends the office visit into the home, so they can watch us again and and hear what we talked about in the office and, and what surgery would entail. And, and that way for anybody who wasn't at the office visit, a family member or a friend, they can, they can hear it when you get home as well. And so that kind of led, led us into our social media um, presence. And, you know, Kevin kind of was um, the head of that, right? Yeah. So, well, I mean, we took, we took our patient video experience yeah. and thought, what can we do with this? And so, well, there wasn't a lot, of, there was very, like only like one or two neurosurgeons on, mm -hmm. that I saw on there or even there's very few surgeons on social media so i thought i could like edit stuff together you know editing all these different videos i had footage of my dad in the operating room and other stuff so i just you know nudged him at first and my sister had done some stuff but just someone who used social media so we did that but it was cool talking to all these other people because i think or like so i it was him talking but uh we talk about the same things to each other but it, it's very interesting because what we've done with the patient education videos and social media the whole thing is that with every new media, people are using these things and all these patients are just people. So patients want information, whether it's Google or YouTube or, or social or other social medias like TikTok, patients are going to find information. So if it's not the surgeons putting out the information, they're going to consume other information. So that's why it's, I think it's so important. And that's what you were talking about too. It's so important for you know, hospitals and doctors to put out good quality content and information so people can watch that and be educated and not just find some random person right. putting out information or, you know, what, like people Googling medical problems, then 
you get all sorts of things. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, social media is here to stay. So why not be on the forefront of it? You know, and I think, um, hospital systems are starting to recognize that that's why they're having a, a section now just about social media at these, at these, um, conferences, you know, cause it's an important topic. And like Kevin said, you know, everybody's going to find their information from somewhere. I mean, you're going to find it from somewhere. So no, why not hear it from the horse's mouth and, and hear it from your surgeon and, um, get, you know, they had asked me, how do you know what to put out? And are you uncomfortable sometimes, you know, talking about things on social media? And I think if you keep it within your realm of expertise, which I try to do and only talk about something I'm comfortable and confident of, I think that's fair game. I don't talk about things that I don't know about. Um, and I don't reveal any patient information. I don't give out, um, advice to specific patients I and mean, patients will often, or people will contact me for, you know, they want um, recommendations or advice on what to do with their condition. So I can't do that, but I can give an opinion. I can give an opinion, my opinion, and I can talk about generalities. And so that's what we've been doing with our social media and, and also educating, right? We do yeah. fun videos about education. And well, you, and um, you also do like, you can create mock scenarios, like create scenarios that can be educational um, of to, to, to show people stuff. Um so, and yeah, and I think it's just about being authentic to yourself. Like we do, yeah. and, and we do obviously stuff too. We started with neurosurgery, but then you, you slowly expand. We spent, I mean, that was the game plan, expanding out into other meaningful stuff to us, which yeah. was drunk driving prevention, alcohol awareness, um, and just showing, you know, the light side of being a neurosurgeon. That's another key is to show people that it isn't all just work. Mm-hmm. Any field isn't, you know, there's also, you, you hang out with your family. Yeah. Uh, so it's important to show all those aspects because you don't want just social media, just like you just working all the time. That's not what, that's not the reality of. And I think, you know, each of the panelists had a different aspect, right? My aspect's different than the healthcare administrator from Rush who was there, who really is looking at from a hospital's perspective, is social media good for our healthcare system or not? What liability does it, uh, you know, cause us? What's the financial burden of trying to do this kind of stuff? And then there's Dr. Langer, the star of the Netflix series, who I think is caught in the middle, right? He's got a, yeah. He's got a Netflix series show documentary that he does, but also he's a neurosurgeon. And so he's got to work with the healthcare system side and decide what kind of social media does he want to put out. And so he's kind of like right in the middle. And so it's interesting to talk to each person and to hear their their perspective on things. And it was funny too. Uh, and then there's there was a moderator. Yeah. Um, uh, Rafa, but Rafa. yeah, Raphael, yeah. I think he goes yeah. by Rafa, but yeah. he, uh, we were making a TikTok at the end mm-hmm. and uh, we were, so you can go check that out. we made a, a TikTok with them and the audience and stuff, but it's funny because some of those people you were talking about all that, but some of them don't even, they probably never seen a TikTok be made or like seeing yeah. what it's like. Or, yeah, a couple of people after said, I've never been in the TikTok, you know, so somebody in the audience, you know, stopped us afterwards. But. Yeah. Well, it's cool talking to people afterwards too. Cause I think a lot of people do, do like that stuff or they might not even know what's going on, but that they, they like what you're doing with yeah. stuff. So it, oh, so it's very interesting and it's, it's cool. It's cool to see that stuff. You know, it's just where, um, that's the only way stuff is integrated or changes if yeah. you, you have to start having conversations about stuff. So it was a cool event. Yeah. And it was an event sponsored by a company called Medtronic, which is a very large, um, innovative, um, company that, that helps with all kinds of stuff that we do in surgery as far as innovation for, um, products that we use for brain surgery and spine surgery. Um, computer navigation systems. They're into all kinds of different areas. Um, heart, you know, mm. heart, heart related devices, um, stuff for bladder spasms and, and just all kinds of things that help people in their lives. And so it, it was, um, 
interesting to see how they even recognize social media, how, how important it's going to become in the healthcare. And then they, then we had a speaker, I don't remember his name, who touched upon AI, artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. Yeah. And it was really interesting. It was a, about a 45 minute talk. Very interesting to hear about how artificial intelligence is really going to change the landscape of healthcare. And, yeah. and, and it already is starting to, I mean, you can have a, a robot put screws in someone's back, which isn't quite AI, but it's getting there, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the bi- the biggest thing, he's been doing that for over 10 years and I thought it was crazy that he probably got very little recognition over the last nine years. Yeah. And then once chat GPT came out from open AI, what's last, that? Chat GPT. That's like the main, th- that's finally where it be- blew up where everyone's and that and like Dali, so you you can t- you can type in prompts and it'll give you say write an essay on so and so or you can you can type in an entire paragraph and say summarize this oh, you can copy and paste up. text so yeah. I could I could take an entire article you wrote yeah. and then say summarize this in bullet points or I can say what are ten tips to get healthier and it'll generate within like five seconds an entire list. So what's it called? Chat GPT. So my friend Bill, I think we were talking to him a couple weeks about this. He's a business owner. He has his own business, but he said. If I want to generate a letter, he said, I'll tell this thing what I want, like to yeah. put in different components. And then I just put in the components I want. And he says, it will generate a whole letter that sounds really good, just the way I would want it. He said, you have to proofread it. But he said, pretty much, pretty accurate. And it creates this whole generated letter that that to the company that he's sending it to, that it just adds in all the that's things. That's ChatGPT. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. But you have to get, that's what, when he was talking about, you have to become trained is... Um, you have to understand how to prompt engineer. You can't just input like the better the inputs, the better the outputs and the better you get at it, like of, of making it tailored towards your thing. So, and we're still at the beginning stages, but that's like the first time I think it went mainstream to the public as a technology AI. So he's been doing that for over 10 years. Now this year, I think it's getting way bigger, but what he's saying is you, they need the, they're not getting the best. Like once the AI can be trained on the most recent medical data and, more and more of that data, it's going to get better and better. And I think something very powerful he said was, and I'll have to get his name. I have, uh, I have a, a picture of yeah. uh, the slides and stuff because I missed uh, the beginning. But what was powerful about it is he said it, it's not supposed to replace physicians. It's supposed to be an ally. Right. So some, it's a good combination with doctors because doctors are really you know can reason can co- go through complex situations and just humans in general versus ai can sift through really large amounts of data and just be a backup yeah so and he he was talking about like some doctors have scribes you know so when you're in talking to a patient you don't want to spend a lot of time afterwards you want to go see the next patient it, it helps move your day along so you'll have a scribe generate a letter for you which is a person obviously um so he's talking about how ai now the doctor can just you know have a artificial intelligence in there it's listening it creates the letter for you so when it's done it creates the whole office visit for you and you don't have to spend the time afterwards and then you can move on to the next patient so i mean all that's coming down the pike um pretty quickly it's just like i mean it ties in because the whole summit was about just digital and like new digital technologies and trends and all of that so how it's going to integrate so ai is very much to me like social media and other things is that there's so much potential to it, but there's also risk. Right. And also from the healthcare standpoint, they're always like super, they want to make sure, because you can't, with the AI, if it you don't know where this stuff's stored and all that, once we can, but again, it's just about shaping how that stuff's going to, it's going to come into play. So you, it's better to try to be shaping it and working up front early on in the game and trying to make sure it's used in the best possible way. But so it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting stuff of how it can be used and spot things. And then, um, 
we had the president of the, of the American Association of Neurologic Surgeons came as a keynote speaker. There weren't that many neurosurgeons there, really, but um, he came in and did a special keynote. Uh, Dr. Astor. Yeah, and it was very good. I mean, very motivational for the future about what the future holds for neurosurgery and medicine. So he was a good speaker. And then there were things like um, they had a panel on stroke. And a lot of it was, you know, the co- the healthcare costs of stroke and things like that. But it, but it was very good about identifying deficiencies. Like most people, a lot of people don't know the warning signs of stroke. And so part of this whole conversation was how do we get, you know, how do we get people to know the warning signs of stroke so they can recognize it earlier, call 911, get to the hospital early enough so they can get the treatments that will save their lives, you know, so you don't have a, a permanent stroke. And so that's something that we're interested in. We're going to start working with the, um, uh, American Heart Association about and Stroke Association about maybe doing social media to educate people um, who may not know what the warning signs of a stroke are, you know, and that's very important. I mean, because it saves lives. If you know, if you know when to call 911 and get early treatment, it, it's reversible. Strokes yeah. are reversible, you know. Well, I think one stat that was crazy on one of the slides was for every minute lost, like 1.9 million neurons are die or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that or, or that a statistic yeah i was like that's that's so it's crazy so, so i they, mean literally every minute counts if you can yeah. the faster you can recognize it well they had a video of a person who actually so now they have those mobile stroke units that have a ct scanner on them and, and they can give they can give the tpa which is the the material that dissolves the clot so this guy was having an active stroke um his arm you know, couldn't move his arm couldn't talk he was definitely having a stroke and so in the mobile unit they had the neurologist or interventional neurologist um, on the line telling them what to do. And so they gave this TPA to this guy right in the mobile stroke unit. And so they could start seeing his weakness and his speech resolve right there. And so the guy, when he got to the hospital was much better. He just spent the night in the hospital and went on discharge the next day normal. Now say this guy didn't get the TPA and hours went by because he didn't know the, the signs of a stroke, gets to the hospital, it's too late to give the TPA because there's a window of time you can give it. And then what happens is he has a full-blown stroke and then permanent deficits. He can't walk or talk anymore. And maybe he even had, you know, needs surgery on his brain and he's in a rehab and a nursing home. And so it shows you how your life can be changed so drastically by knowledge, you know, just knowing that you're having signs of a stroke, getting early treatment. And that's the whole point of. And um, so isn't, isn't the thing fast? Isn't that the recognition? Yeah, fast. So it's uh, face. I think fast is um, face asymmetry. Like if you see drooping of your face, that's the F part, fast. And then A would be um, an arm, and it can be a leg too. Weakness in your arm, numbness in your arm or leg, that's the A. S is speech. So speech would be if you have slurring of your speech or you can't talk. Um, and then the T is um, timely, you know, call 911 as quickly as you can when you recognize those symptoms, call 911. So that's what FAST is, F-A-S-T. It's face asymmetry. It's A is arm or could be a leg, but it's your arm weakness or numbness. Um, S would be your speech. If your speech is slurred or off, um, those are the warning signs. And there's other ones, obviously. You can have many yeah, other signs. It's, but, it's just I'm trying to create, I, I think when they, like, the idea of that is it's something that's memorable. It's a mnemonic yeah. device, fast. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that. And, and please look into stuff more. Everyone, the more, the more knowledge you have, the more power you have in situations. Because right. once you know that for yourself, but also the rest of your life, anyone else you might see, yeah. you, you have the, the power to help make an impact. Yeah, I mean, there. you can be the doctor and save a life. I mean, you, you, you seeing someone in a, in a store or in a restaurant, you know, having this stuff, I mean, you could initiate it right away. You know, you recognize a stroke, call 911, you may save that person's life. You don't have to be a doctor to save somebody's life. Well, I think one thing that's crazy, I mean, I see in movies and TV shows and stuff, but 
Um, and I've heard stories in my life from people, but no one ever thinks they're the one having a heart attack or a stroke, especially if right. it's not when you're not too old because you're like, oh, I'm healthy. Or, or you don't want to believe it. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to believe it. You, I mean, because wherever we come to our home health care, we think we're more invincible. You might be eating healthy and doing stuff, but you can and, and be younger. You can still have a heart attack. You can still have uh, a stroke. You can have these yeah. things happen to these. That's, I mean, th- yeah. they're not super likely, but all these things happen to someone. Even yeah. if something happens to 1% of the population, it's happening to yeah. a decent amount of people. There's so many people that live here. So knowledge is definitely power in that realm. But yeah, so look out for that more stuff. We're trying, we're continuing to try to partner with people and trying to create engaging. We know people watch social media, so they don't want to read a packet on that. They would rather watch a video or a social yeah. media post. So it's trying to create engaging content yeah. that people will watch and then remember. Um, or we want to like um, the Heart Association wants to have one person in every household know how to do CPR. I mean, that's their goal right now. That's the push that they're trying to do. So. You know, we're, we would like to create a video where we show you how to do CPR and get that out on social media so people can see exactly what, how is CPR and do you have to be afraid of breaking a rib? No, if you break someone's rib, you may save their life, but you got it. You know, you have to give enough force. So just a lot of misconceptions about CPR. And so we'd like to get a video to show you exactly how to do CPR, what to be worried about, what not to be worried about. But, you know, you it saves lives. CPR saves lives. And, and you can, um, I was at a, uh, uh, what was it? A, a, a gathering for the American Heart Association. They had a gentleman who came in who actually had his family did home CPR on him. That's the only reason he's alive. And so he he talks about the importance of people knowing how to do CPR and not be scared to do it. Just do it. Yeah. You know. And you can't be worried if it's a woman that you're going to touch their breast or be or be get in trouble for sexual harassment. I mean, so many women don't get CPR because people are afraid that they'll get you know coined as a you know, somebody doing something weird or you're around someone's breast. Yeah. I mean, but you, if you're going to save somebody's life, that's what you have to do. So it's a lot of things like that. You have to know that are okay. You know, I think the American Heart Association is having a hard time with that. Well, um, just like a lot of misconceptions of just like the breaking the rib one, like a, it's better to do too much force than too little, right? Because right. It, you can survive a broken rib. You can't survive if a you, heart attack. Yeah. You can't survive the heart attack. Yeah. So, so, and I mean, a heart attack too, it's, it's recognizing if you feel confident that you know it's a heart attack i feel like people you know with the knowledge there they'd feel much more comfortable yeah. fully doing it because sometimes maybe people aren't doing enough force or doing it on females yeah. because they don't they're not super confident that that's yeah. what it is they don't want it to be something else yeah. and, and first you have to know if you need to do cpr i mean but if somebody's unresponsive i mean if somebody's unresponsive not breathing you check their pulse um if you don't feel a pulse i mean you definitely should start cpr you know so so there's just a lot of things and i think that's where especially f- with your platform there's a lot of p- possibility because there's tons of people are big on social social media but the issue is with some of those organizations it's not coming from like a doctor or other person it's not it's not as powerful the fact that you're a neurosurgeon and you have a social media presence i think gives uh much more opportunity on some of those things where the organizations want to do stuff so i mean that's all a work in progress of of and that i mean this is all still super new to us i mean trying to figure out how to partner with people and do collaborations and stuff so um, but it's all, it's, it's all exciting. It's, it's really cool to hear about all the innovative new things and meet people that are doing really cool, cool things. So this was kind of impromptu. This one, this, this was more so just kind of tell about our experience at the meeting. Um, cause I don't get invited to that much stuff like this. So this was really, a um, you know, I was very grateful I was invited and it was a chance to, um, to hear what people have to say about social media and physicians and, and, um, 
you know, meet somebody like Dr. Langer, who's kind of like a star on TV. And he's a very nice guy, not arrogant. And um, I think he's uh, got a lot to say about social media. And then just hear from administrators how they how they view social media. And, you know, I think healthcare has so many problems right now and, and there's financial burdens on healthcare systems. And, um, you know, it's like the mobile stroke units they were talking about. Mobile stroke units are expensive and they save lives, but they're expensive. And they're talking about how the number of mobile stroke units in the country have gone down drastically. And that's because of fi- financial reasons. I mean, it costs a lot of money to, to have one of these services to keep it updated. And um, they're not getting, re- they're having, yeah, they have trouble getting reimbursed. Yeah, they're not, they're not getting reimbursed for the services, even though they may say somebody's life that that one guy's life got saved and he left the hospital the next day. Think of all the, all the money that may have saved if that guy didn't get that treatment, went to the hospital, had all the services he needed, ends up in rehab, nursing home. I mean, that would cost millions of dollars potentially. And so that's money saved, but, but um, that's like, that's the whole idea of preventative medicine versus, yeah. uh, I don't know what's the opposite of preventative medicine. Like the current, just treating, I mean, just the current state yeah, of, med- it's like eating healthy or an exercise in preventative medicine over the long term. in decades, it might save money, but it's way harder to see costs that are saved versus, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. How we wait until somebody has the problem and then we treat it. Right. And that's the problem. We, I mean, the future has to change. It has it's to be pre- towards preventative. Yeah. Medicine. It has to be that you learn to eat healthy and exercise and you learn to see your doctor and you have to, and you have to know a preventive medicine is knowing the warning signs of a heart attack and a stroke. I mean, yeah. that, cause that's all stuff that can prevent you from having something. So what medicine is now is we wait till somebody has a problem and then, right. And then I, and I end up operating on them or they need to see their family physician or they need to see their cardiologist. So, I mean, that's definitely a, something in the future that has to change. And I think it will slowly, but it's, um, there's a lot of financial constraints to it right now. Well, it's right now medicine is reactive versus being proactive. And, and that's what needs to shift. And it, th- those, it's good. That's why it's, the conversations are happening. People recognize that. It's right. then, it takes a lot of time, especially in large organizations. And something is with so much risk and compliance as healthcare in the United States. Of It's, it's not, it's not going to happen overnight. It has to slowly yeah. keep pushing and, and showing these yeah. things and doing big studies. I know the mobile stroke, they, they yeah. did a big study on how it saves money. Um, for the so, long term. So I, I think, you know, we're, we're very anxious to see what the future holds with social media. What Kevin and I have done is just kind of gradually unfolded in an organic way. I mean, we never meant for all this to happen, but, but it seems like we're gaining more traction. And, and so we really have to think about what we want to do with social media in the future. And that's what we're always talking about. Where do we want to take this? Because we really haven't tried to steer it one way or the other. But yeah. but now we're getting to a point where people are noticing, I guess, what we're doing. And so we have to yeah. think about what we really want to do with our social media. Um, well, I think one way we, we, I mean, we have steered it in the way that we haven't done. We, the only partnerships we've been interested in and told people, I think people are taking notice is we only want to do like meaningful stuff like American Heart Association, organ donation, speaking on that, trying to get social media more ingrained in healthcare, stuff like that. We don't, all these little constant collaboration ideas we get about supplements and all that stuff and, and promoting clothes or products. I mean, that's not of any interest. There's tons of other people that can do that. Like you're, what's powerful about your platform is what we can do you know, let other people do that stuff. We can, we can do other things. And so I think the the conference is really cool and it's cool to keep doing that stuff. And yeah, we're, we're constantly thinking more about how we can shape this and how we can do the most good with the platform we've been yeah. given. And I, I think one thing that's cool is, is why I wanted to start this is when we're at like a conference like that and we meet some more people, hopefully we can get some of them on the podcast 
um, when I'm like communicating with people and following up where that, that's our, been our goal is get, get going with the podcast, kind of learn ins and outs and of trying to make one ourselves. And that's, that's been the ultimate goal is people that might not be on other podcasts that are, are way bigger. Um, just some of these other healthcare administrators, because that's, it's all about just like that conference on a much larger scale, on a smaller scale podcast like this, where we can get a healthcare administrator and my, like my dad, who's an actual physician or other physicians, they can have those conversations it pushes it pushes the narrative forward and it, it, it's facilitating those conversations and making them happen that's how change eventually happens and it's not just us doing that but then tons of other people doing it too that that all comes together and then eventually we can have positive change yeah so just usually you know one thing leads to another i think and it just it's unfolding in front of us and we just have to see where it leads us you know but I mean, I think that's from the beginning too. We kind of, at sometimes when we didn't feel, there's times we feel more inspired and we have good ideas and then we put those out and it's cool seeing the feedback. And other times we don't have a ton of good ideas. We're just not, nothing's come, coming to mind. And sometimes we're like, okay, we'll make something, but we don't really think it's that educational or, or it's that valuable and we don't want to waste people's time. So uh, we're just constantly working on that and we're hopefully we can keep, we're, hopefully we're doing good and you guys enjoy it and we keep uh, doing good. Yeah. And we do read the comments on the podcast. So um, if you have comments or ideas, let us know. And one thing too, that really helps if you do enjoy this podcast, like when we see people in real life, one thing that really helps is if you enjoy this podcast, share it with someone you think might enjoy it, whether it's not the entire uh, podcast, but if yeah. there's specific episodes that you think someone might find valuable, uh, definitely share those with people. Uh, give us a, a, a like, or a rating on the podcast apps that helps a lot with uh, discoverability. Um, if you if you think it's valuable, but yeah. uh, but thank you, we appreciate everyone who watches and listens to the podcast, and yep. and we're anxious to talk to you next week. Yep. Um, but everyone have a good day. Right. Bye bye. Bye.